everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number. Richard Dent, Julius Peppers, Joe Juno, and Ryan O'Reilly. Got it? I'm your host, Mark Hepscher. Today on the show, it's the final week of the National Hockey League regular season, and the Toronto Maple Leafs have four more meaningless games until they play Boston in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> How many of those games will Garrett Sparks play in? Zero? One? Two? Three or four? Uh, I hope none. Uh, the Blue Jays get a split with Detroit in one of the strangest series I have ever witnessed. Even the Rogers Center roof was leaking on Saturday. Remember last year that they got a game canceled because there was ice on the roof? Like, it's just, what kind of, I'm worried that Kawhi Leonard of the Raptors <laughs> is going to, is this the way it is every year in Canada? Because if this is, it's April and it's snow, no. I don't want to play here. I don't care how much I like it. I don't care how good the team is. The weather sucks. That's my big worry is that people who aren't used to this kind of weather, even those of us who are used to this kind of weather, are going, get me the hell out of here! March Madness saw Duke finally get their due thanks to the Michigan State Spartans, and a lot of people are very happy about that. Roger Federer wins the Miami Open, but kudos to the Canadian kids. And on Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades, the end of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. If you ever paid attention to it before, and I don't think you did, because if you had, they wouldn't have folded It's all ahead. First, your trivia question brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, north of the 401. In 1979, Michigan State defeated Indiana State to win the NCAA championship. That was Magic versus Bird. That's when the NCAA tournament became very popular. Can you name the other two schools in the Final Four that year? How about about this? Just name one of them. All right? In 1979, Michigan State defeated Indiana State in the NCAA. That was Bird versus Magic. Can you tell me the other two teams in the final four that year? How about just name one of them? Go ahead. Trivia brought to you by Panches Original Deli on Bathurst, north of the 401. Fabulous deli food, reasonable prices, party trays, a specialty. Call Lauren at 416-636-1230. Tell him Hebsey sent you or go to PanchersOriginalDeli.com. Fabulous deli. Mm. The Toronto Blue Jays split their opening series with the Detroit Tigers, and one thing is for certain on this team. You definitely need a program to tell the players. I'm telling you, I don't know who these guys are. Uh, I didn't on opening day. Uh, Clayton Richard, number two. Uh, who, who the heck is this guy? Trent Thornton? Wait a minute. This is such a young team that two guys made their major league debuts yesterday. Two pitchers made their major league debuts. Trent Thornton, uh, the same day as 19-year-old Elvis Luciano, who became the youngest pitcher in Blue Jays history. Rookie Rowdy Telez came off the bench to hit, hit a game-time three-run homer in the eighth, pinch hitting for the DH, which at the time people were going, ooh, he pinch hit for the DH. Because, you know, in baseball, if you pinch hit for the DH, that DH spot is now, you can't replace it with another uh, DH or anything like that. It's the, pit, it's the pitcher you got to put in there or something like that. Anyway, um, so, so Thornton, who again, Major League debut, goes five innings, strikes out eight, two hits, not bad. And Mike, I'm convinced, and correct me if I'm wrong, that every single starting pitcher in this Detroit-Toronto series had a no-hitter going uh, in yeah. every game. Am I, am I not wrong there? Where they, they were all shutouts except for yesterday, which would have been a shutout had Telez not hit the three-run homer. Yeah, and apparently that's a record for uh, first start by oh. a Blue Jays rookie. Most strikeouts, I think. There's lots. You know what? Early in the season, <laughs> there's lots of records. You've noticed that? Lots of records. Most most in, most shutout innings pitched by a starting staff to begin the season. Oh, right. Blue Jays, right? Right. Stroman, Sanchez, uh, who, uh, Shoemaker. 
So the three of them combined did not give up. A, and then Thornton yesterday did right. not give up a run as a starter. So, I mean, you know, it's like, hey, we didn't know about this one, but it's a good one. It's good for Richard Griffin and the Blue Jays uh, PR department because you got early in the year, you got all these youngest guy, Elvis Luciano, two rookies on the same day. Da, 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 da. First pinch hit home run by a rookie, da, 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 da. Rowdy Telez. The rookie manager, Charlie uh, Montoyo, gets the beer shower. Right. Just nonstop early in the year, nonstop with this dude. And Elvis is the first player in Major League history uh, to be born in the 2000s. Correct. That's exactly right. And... Uh, Wait a second. Did I not read something else where Felix Auger-Aliassime was the first uh, youngest teenager to uh, reach the top fifty? And yeah, I read it's that. It's just too. nonstop, man. Yeah. It's like every and when Vladdy Guerrero comes, he'll be the youngest to hit a hit for the cycle in a Grand Slam. Some stuff like that. It's very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. And the starting pitching, yeah, has been fantastic. They all look good. Um, Mind you, yesterday, Matt Moore of the Tigers looked even better. He allowed two hits over seven, and once again, it was like a zero-zero game. Now, when you're starting the season and you're getting pumped for baseball, come on, come down to the Rogers Center. It's great. It's not, uh, we don't have to worry about the rain so much. Uh, it's, uh, the cold, don't worry about the cold and the snow. Everything's okay. We got a dome here in Toronto. That's why we built it here. So come on, come and watch pitchers strike out hitters. Right. Because that's all you've been seeing. A scratch single there, a double there. Um, who's been, except for Telez's home run, who's been hitting home runs? I mean, uh, Smoke hit a home run. But it's, it's like scratch singles. You know, we've got three singles. They've got two singles. Two really kind of anemic offenses, but still, but, baseball season, it's good. Hey, hey, we're, we're 500. Uh, we'll take that. Yeah, I, I feel, Mike, though, as if the Jays are going to have a real tough time of it. You know, nothing against Detroit, but they're not a great team. they got Baltimore coming in, but I just think when they start playing, you know, the, the Yankees and Red Sox, it's going to be like David versus Goliath. It's going to be like, look, look at the Yankees' order, you know, the batting order, and look at, you know, look at our team. we got Guriel. they got Aaron Judge. Right. Right? <laughs> they got Tulowitzki. We got Tulo. No, no, we don't have Tulowitzki anymore. No, no, we've got Freddie Galvez or Galvis, right? They've Galvis. Got, I heard uh, yeah. he's decided it's Galvis. Okay. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Brandon Drury. They've got uh, somebody better. <laughs> right. And soon we won't have. They've got Brett Gardner. We've got, uh, wait a minute, we've got, uh, we got Tay Oscar, who didn't look that bad in left field. Not as bad as he looked the last couple of years. It's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long, long year for this team. Billy McKinney the other day. I see he's, uh, there's nobody out. He hits a fly ball to right center field. He decides he's going to go for two. And as he's going for two, I'm going, no, 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 no. There's nobody out. You already got to run in. There's no one out. Don't go for two. No! And he gets thrown out at second base. And then Buck Martinez, and surprisingly, but at the same time, I was happy he did it. He, he really chastised Billy McKinney. He really, you know, he said, you know, you can't do that. You've got to know cardinal rule in baseball. You don't make... You don't make the first or third out of the inning, uh, you know, in scoring position. You just don't do that at, at second or third. You you got to know what the situation is. You got to know who's coming up behind you in the batting order, dude. You got Tay Oscar coming up behind you. You got Justin Smoke. You don't give that away. Stay at first base. Maybe we could have a big inning. So I like the fact that they did that. And then yesterday, the Jays had a chance to win it. But for some odd reason, third base coach Louis Rivera, whom Charlie Montoyo kept on the staff, and a lot of us went, whoa. Don't like him as a third base coach. Doesn't know when to send runners. And yesterday was a perfect example, and they showed on the replay. And I think the runner was Urania. And then what happened was Galvis, as a pinch hitter, and by the way, kept his consecutive games hitting a consecutive game streak going. What's at it? What's it at? Three twenty nine, which is not a no, it's, it's not a big number, not significant. It's the but it's the longest in in baseball today. Like there's no one has a longer current streak. Last year, Alcides Escobar had a streak of four hundred and I think it was four thirty one. 
Uh, and then last summer was broken. But I mean, that's no, there's not even close to Ripken numbers. And to me, unless you get to, I don't know, 500 games, unless you get to like the equivalent of three full seasons, don't talk to me about consecutive games played streak because you're expected to play every game. Right. If you're right. an everyday player. That's why you're called an everyday <laughs> player. Anyway, I digress. So Galvis hits one off the glove of the shortstop, at not even into short left field, maybe 15, 20 feet from the shortstop. Here comes Urania, and, and, and um, he's getting the wave. He's getting the wave home from Louie. And then as he's stepping on third base and he's really, like, pummeling, getting to, to, to go home, as he steps on third, Louie Rivera holds up his hand to stop him. Now, I'm sorry, you can't say, go, 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 and then go, wait, 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 stop. <laughs> right, and that was a mistake. Once he said, go, 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 you can't stop the runner. His momentum, especially there, he's going to keep going, and he was out by a good margin. Oh, so that's how you hurt yourself, those slamming on those brakes. But, yeah. Uh, did you ever make your prediction for wins for the 2019 Blue Jays? No, but I think it was, the over-under was 75, and I think I went under. Was that? Uh, that's a smart move. It was the over-under 75, right? Yeah, and I, was I think under that's that. a smart I said move. somewhere th- 73. It's not gonna, It's not going to be pretty. Not going to be pretty at all. Uh, one thing about this team, though, a lot of hugging. A lot of hugging. Like, the manager likes to hug. Shelly Duncan was hugging them. When Telez hit the three-run homer, they showed Shelly Duncan, like, hugging them from behind. Like, like, they, like they were buddies. You know what I mean? Hey! Wait, and he's hugging them. We are family. Montoya. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so they're done with the Tigers. They got the Orioles this week for three games, two night games, and then a 4.07 start on Wednesday afternoon. Kind of odd. 4.07. Like, well, if it was a matinee and you got to get away, why wouldn't you have it at 107? Yeah, right. So four, oh, a 4 o'clock start uh, on Wednesday, getaway day. And then, um, and then the Jays go off to Cleveland uh, for a four-game series outdoors. They're going to be playing outdoors for the first time uh, in the regular season in Cleveland. So I don't know. I looked at the weather forecast. And, I mean, I was there last year at this time in Cleveland. We were there for a Friday night game. It was beautiful. It was 22 degrees. Wow. And then the next day there was an ice storm. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, then the Jays came home and their Monday game against KC was canceled because of ice. You know, the ice came through the roof kind of a thing. The, so they had to have a doubleheader. That was a year ago. That was like almost uh, one. Actually, it was the middle of April. But still. So the weather this time of year, a bit crazy. Maple Leafs have a busy schedule ahead tonight. They're on Long Island. John Tavares is going to be on Long Island. Do you think it'll be any less brutal from the fans there? I can't imagine they can duplicate duplicate. Oh, that. they will. Uh, oh, they will. Okay. Oh, especially because they're playing some really good hockey, the Islanders as well. And uh, you, you never know. The Leafs and Islanders could end up, probably not, but playing in the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're unlikely, but still. So this, I think this is going to have a playoff atmosphere. I really think that tonight on Long Island, that they're going to they're gonna give it to Tavares just as good because they know how much it pisses off the Toronto fans. They all know. All the Islander fans read the tweets and, oh, you're disgusting and doing those things to John Tavares. It's terrible. <laughs> You've said terrible things. They didn't throw stuff at him. They didn't fire batteries at him or anything. They just said, you know, disgusting things. But, I mean, I guess all's fair. I think some war. threw some uh, rubber snakes. Oh, was that what I it recall, was? Ooh, because yeah. that could take an eye out. A rubber snake. Ooh, that could take an eye out. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Um, anyway, it'll, it'll be an interesting matchup tonight. Hey, so. by the way, you and I have constantly said this uh Wake me when the playoffs start, which is you know on the tenth of April or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I so I'm, I I believe that to be true. I don't. Care. I wanted to beat the Sens because I hate the Sens, but I didn't really care about. Why do that you game. hate the Sens? I have always. I guess because we had the four <clears throat> series in a short period of time, yeah. and there was that whole uh, sideshow Bob whole thing. Anyway, I uh, with Tucker. You remember Tucker and Alfredson? And sure. Whole thing. Uh, just. And and they're a provincial rival. Like I just don't like anyone that. Oh, come close on, a provincial rival. Provincial What's rival. Buffalo sort of like, is a rival. Buffalo's down the road. 
It's different Leaf, somehow. Do you think Leaf fans, do you think a lot of Leaf fans go from Toronto, from the Toronto area, the GTA? Do you think a lot of them go up to Ottawa for games? It's, fans uh, that go up to Ottawa are ones <laughs> who are living closer to Ottawa and they can't get to Toronto. But, but here, the rivalry to me has always been Buffalo. They're right down the road. I don't feel the hate for Buffalo. I feel it for oh, Montreal say, and Ottawa. See, I didn't say the hate. Okay. See, the, the rivalry is like hate. Is it? I feel like you need a bit of like so, uh, yeah. animosity there to have a yeah, rivalry. Yeah, I guess so. Like or, Penguins or, and Flyers. Or it fans. wouldn't be a rivalry. You're right. right. There's got to be hate. Or the Nordique Serious the dislike. Yeah, serious dislike. Serious dislike. So why do we... So you dislike Ottawa. See, I dislike Ottawa because of the city. Because oh. it's the... Because it's, it's nice the city. federal... No, that's not oh. it. The federal capital. Right. It's where all the... So where all the paperwork is done, it's where all the civil servants are shuffling papers. And this is what, whenever I'm filling out a form, I think of Ottawa. Somebody in Ottawa is going to look at this form that I'm filling out, this eight-page form. And they're likely Senator season ticket holders. That's right. That don't go to the game. Anyway, so uh, here's the deal with the Leafs. Oh, but my oh, thought what? real quick what? was, uh, we haven't actually clinched a playoff spot yet. Like, is, are you, like... I feel like we huh? need, like I don't Leafs have not clinched a playoff spot yet. Nah. So it's okay. I just want some reassurance, like not to sweat it. Like okay, wake me in the tenth. I'm back on board. Wake me on April tenth. You've uh, you honestly oh. have been looking and saying no. it's possible Leafs could lose all their games and Montreal could win all their games and Leafs won't make the playoffs. Well, it's been a brutal stretch, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Johnny T's four goal game notwithstanding, it's been pretty rough. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't think you have anything to worry okay. about. But if you're worried, then you're a typical Leaf fan. Okay. Uh, so tonight on Long Island, tomorrow home to Carolina, Thursday hosting Tampa, and then Saturday off to Montreal in what could be a must-win game for the Canadians. Now, there's a team you should hate. And Bob Cole's last game. Bob Cole's last game. Hello, hockey fans from the Bell Center. Yeah, that'll, be a, that'll likely be the story. The story won't be who wins the hockey game unless it has playoff implications for Montreal. The story will be that's at the end of an era, Bob Cole dead. No, no, not dead. <laughs> no, not dead, dead, just not <laughs> doing hockey anymore. But for a lot of people, that means dead. Like, like we'll never hear him again. We'll never see him again. Maybe he'll you start see, podcasting. No, no. Mike, you see, here's the thing. When someone of this profile retires, the reaction will be similar when they pass away. I hate to say it that way, but all of Bob Cole's accolades will occur uh, during and after the, that final game. The same way when he passes away, hopefully at the age of 115, People are going to, the same thing. They're just going to take the script from that last game, right? Remember what they said about Bob Cole in his last game? Yeah. <laughs> Grab that, cut, copy and paste. That's the obituary. Right. Same is true for Vince Scully. You're all that. Right. I mean, all that. When someone retires, all right, that, their accomplishments are duly noted right then and there. Upon that, upon retirement, that speech, copy and paste, copy and paste for the, um, unless, unless they do something remarkable post-hockey career. That's worthy of, you know what I mean? I just wish Bob Cole was retiring because he wanted to retire. Oh, no, it never happens. He would never retire then. And you know that, Mike. But you do, any, do you think Vince Scully wanted any, to retire? No. Ask oh. any performer, right? Yeah. Ask my dad if he wants to stop driving. No. Right. He doesn't want to stop driving ever. Ever. Even if he pa fails the test. He never wants to stop driving. Yeah, you're in a profession like that? You never want Never want to. They're going to have to pull me away kicking and screaming. Because that's your chosen profession. You never want to be told that you're too old to do it. You can't do it anymore. We're sorry, we, you can't perform those duties anymore. What do you mean I can't? I can, I, sure I can. Well, not like you used to. No, but I can still do it. Would you consider retiring? No. You'll have to fire me. Right. I have to make some kind of a golden parachute, something. And Bob Cole doesn't want to hear all that. He doesn't want to hear the accolades. It's been, uh, you know, it's been uh, his farewell tour. 
you should be able to, I mean, you should just look and say, man, great job, Bob. Fantastic. Enjoy the rest of your life. Have a healthy, happy rest of your life. So um, should Freddie Anderson play all games from here on in? Or should Garrett Sparks get another start? And the reason I ask this is that you're now working with your new defense. You got Travis Dermott back. I think Jake Gardner's scheduled back for the Tampa game later this week so that he'll get a couple of games in, hopefully, before the playoffs. And then you want to have your best guys. So do you say, oh, the hell with it. Let's go with Freddie Anderson four times this week. Let's get him playoff ready. Hopefully he gets on a roll. Gardner, you know, gets a couple, gets his feet wet again. Dermot gets a few more games in. And now we start to look like the team, the healthy team that should be in the playoffs against Boston. All hands on deck. No injuries. Let's go. Because I haven't seen a lineup like this for a while. Have you? No. Are there any back-to-backs? Uh, what, this week? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, they're not going to play. They're not going to play Anderson all four. No. Uh, Sparks will play again. Okay, so I'm going to say that uh, tonight on Long Island, it's Anderson. Tomorrow in Carolina, uh, it's home, Carolina. It's Sparks at home to Carolina. And then Tampa game is going to be Anderson. And then Saturday is going to be Anderson. And then next week, it's going to be Anderson, 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 Anderson. And we hopefully won't. Uh, and hopefully there's more than, yeah. <laughs> than the four. Right. <laughs> um, and Mike Babcock has some, uh, well, mind you, Garrett Sparks. That five hole on Garrett Sparks yeah. is like the, the twilight zone. It's like huge. <laughs> like every... And it's it's not the way. I mean, it's just he looks awkward when that when you know when a goalie keeps giving up pucks five hole, and the and the objective of the other team is just shoot at five hole, just get a shot on goal. Right. Then you got some problems there. You know, uh, you got some real problems. You could drive a Mack truck through that five hole of Garrett Sparks. Uh, make no mistake, Garrett Sparks is gone for. Now. I think they're yeah. going to make a big change there. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think if I'm the Leafs, I go after Brian Elliott of Philadelphia as my backup goalie who can play thirty games a year. A pretty good goal. If he stays healthy, he's a good goalie, and Philadelphia just has the goalie shuffle going. And Elliott's from here, too. So you want a veteran backup goalie who has NHL experience, playoff experience, and can play 25, 30 games for you. Right. And that's Brian Elliott. That's my call. Anyway, Mike Babcock's got some tough decisions to make. Uh, is he going to be all in against Boston? That worries the hell out of me. Too. You just go all in now. Let's go. Put your best lineup out there, and let's see what you got. The Ottawa game the other night was terrible. Although, I have to tell you, if you're going to pump 40 shots a night on the opposition goalie, you got a better chance to win, you know? And, you know, keep firing 40 at Tuka Rask. You never know. You got to, I mean, I'd have a chance to beat the Bruins. Hey, you notice Nylander looks a little better lately. A little bit, but he doesn't hit the net. And the other thing with Nylander is when he misses, it creates um, um, uh, opportunity for the opponents because he goes, he goes high glove or high stick, and when he misses, it comes off the glass, pings around. There we go, two on one. He's missing the net. My boy He's, likes to tell me that uh, Nylander's outpacing uh, Marner over his last 12 games or something ridiculous yeah, like is that. Is he really? <laughs> okay, I, I guess so. Oh, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see him come to fruition in the, uh, in the playoffs. Right. Um, so, so we've decided that you play Anderson three out of the four games. You don't play him in the back-to-back. Decision sports. made. I got, right. I got uh, Dubis on line okay. two. All right. The Raptors won easily in Chicago the other night despite missing Kawhi, Pascal, uh-huh. OG, and Patrick McCaw. Uh, you and I added to that foursome, and we got a pretty good team. Uh, Nick Nurse wants his team fresh as well, and he's got more chances to rest his players this week as the Raptors are home tonight to Orlando. So Raptors at home at the uh, uh, SBC while the Leafs are in Long Island. SBA, but not that it matters. Well, SBA, right. <laughs> no, Scotiabank Center. No, Scotiabank Arena. Right. All right. So Raptors at home to Orlando, then off to Brooklyn for a big game Wednesday against the Nets, who may be their first-round opponent. And then Friday, the Raptors are in Charlotte, and the Hornets are desperate for a win as well. So, Mike, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The Raptors might have to intentionally lose a couple of those games to ensure that their first-round opponent is not Detroit. 
So here's what I'm saying. You're looking at the standings. You're going, you know what? If we let Brooklyn beat us, they're going to secure the seventh spot. We got the two. We get Brooklyn. So is it possible? You're not tanking the game if you're Nick Nurse, but you're, you're resting your guys, and you know that the team you're playing against is desperate to improve their playoff position at the bottom of the East, right? If you're Miami and you're eighth, you want to be seventh, right? Because you don't want to play Milwaukee in the first round. If you're Brooklyn and you're seventh, you don't want to lose because you might fall to eighth and have to play Milwaukee in the first round. And if you're Detroit, you don't want to be losing because you might have to play Toronto or, or Milwaukee. So I think if the Raptors are in a situation when they're playing Brooklyn Wednesday and they go, you know what? If we lose this game, Brooklyn secures seventh. We're two seven. We got Brooklyn. I would do that. Yeah, I think that's significant difference there. You're not trying to lose, of course. You're trying to win, but but you're trying to but your load management correct, of strategic correct. players like for example, if you if Kawhi and Lowry, Lowry in the same Lowry. game. Yeah, right. well, they did it with Siakam. Why if you if I'm resting right. Kawhi, Lowry and Siakam, because remember, if they play tonight, they may not play Wednesday in Brooklyn. Do you see what I mean? Right. It's, it's possible they may not because Friday they're in Charlotte. So if you say, let's, you know what, two out of these three games this week, two out of the three, we're not going to field a full lineup. Right. And even tonight, they, say, they might say to Lowry, you rest while Kawhi plays. And then Wednesday, Kawhi, you rest. And Lowry, you rest again. And, and Pascal, you rest. They lose to Brooklyn. Right. And then Friday, they might have to win, but probably not. Won't make a difference against uh, Charlotte, you know. And maybe even they, maybe they even let Charlotte win because that might get Charlotte into the playoffs. Like, I, you know, even though I, like, I don't know. Like I just know this. I'd rather play Brooklyn. I've mentioned that a few times before. And if it's a possibility and you can make it happen by losing a game and intentionally, intentionally, you didn't hear it from me. But Folks, all Nick you Nurse. Did, if I'm betting pro, you didn't hear it from me. But I say bet against the Raptors Wednesday in Brooklyn. Against them. Got wow. it? Okay, that's all I'm saying. Hard to lose in Brooklyn. Uh, I, yeah. think, I think that uh, what matters to Nick Nurse and what matters to Raptors fans is a rested healthy Raptors team on yep. whatever it is, the 13th of April. Correct. Yeah. And they will be. They definitely will be. Um, boy, load management's been a beautiful thing. Maybe it's Surge. Surge, <laughs> Surge could use a little load management. Maybe Marcus saw a little load management. And, and part of that is load management, meaning, look, you could play, but maybe you'll only play 18 minutes. Right. Maybe you play 22 minutes. So those days of down the stretch fighting for a playoff spot, I need you for 32 minutes. Hey, Lowry, I need you for 37 minutes. No. Not at all. It also gives the younger guys a chance to get, you know, get a little more playing time so that if something does come up, foul trouble, injuries or whatever, at least these guys have got some, you know, they've got some um, chops, some playoff-like chops. I'll say stuff like that. And I'm thinking specifically of uh, Norm Powell, OG Ananobi, uh, Jeremy Lin. I don't know how much playoff experience Jeremy Lin even has. I'm thinking about him because he's played for so many teams. I'm just thinking about him as a playoff performer. I, I, it just doesn't register with me. Doesn't register with me at all. Um, and Kawhi, uh, the weather, I guess like I said at the top. That, remember I told you that he bought a bunch of, they got a bunch of Canada goose jackets. That was weeks ago, Mike. They knew. They knew. Oh, you're going to be in Canada? April? Uh, don't think it's spring. Don't even get that impression that it's spring. Remember, the Raptors can offer him that extra year on the deal. That's right. They can offer him seven years. The other teams uh, that sign him in free agency, only six. Roger Federer is the GOAT. We all know that. Yes. So when the 37-year-old took on 19-year-old Dennis Shapovalov Friday night, it was no surprise that he dismantled the youngster in straight sets. After all, Shapo did mention on several occasions that Feds was his idol and that playing against him would be a dream come true. And really, you can't play your best tennis when you're looking across the court at your idol and you're, saying, and you're pinching yourself going, I can't believe I just won a game from Roger Federer. And the first game that the two of them played lasted forever. Then he held serve. 
but he was whacked. His arm was killing him because he must have served, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think how many how many um, times they went to Deuce. It was like 12 times to Deuce. It took forever. It was like a 15-minute first game. And then Roger wiped him out after that. But, but, Federer, we know, is a surgeon. He uses his tennis racket like, like a scalpel. It's unfair to an opponent, unless that opponent happens to be Novak Djokovic or Rafael Nadal or one of the top players. So he dispatches Chapo in straight sets, and then he wins the Miami Open yesterday with another straight set victory over John Isner, who was hobbling on what might be a broken ankle mm-hmm. by match's end. I mean, he couldn't even stand on both feet. And it looked like Roger even felt sorry for him for a couple of points there. It was just, it was sad to watch and not a good way to lose the match. And then on match point, um, Isner hit it out, but the, but the um, umpire, the lines person, didn't call it out. And so Federer had to go, excuse me, a review, please. And the review showed that it, that it was not even close. And so Federer wins the match on, on the challenge. You know, it's out. And okay, the winner, Roger Federer. It was kind of weird. It was strange. But um, my biggest concern was going to be, was how Felix Ojeali-Assim was going to perform. Shapo had been there before. He'd been to semifinals before. But Felix had not, not at a level like that. And when he took on Isner, he, and, he, and he was a much better player than Isner, but unfortunately, at 18 years of age, uh, he double faulted at the worst possible times. He led in both sets, but could not hold serve at the most critical junctures. Lost 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. And then within an hour after the match, he was seen practicing his serve on an outside court, to which people were going, "That's what dedication is that? That's great. I mean, he loses the match. He, he showers. He has his press conference or whatever. I don't even know if he showered. Had his press conference, and then right out to an outside court to work on that serve, which cost him dearly. He was so much better than Isner, and he should have been in the final. It should have been, and I tell you what, he would have given Federer a way better battle than John Isner. He would have given him, he would have been starstruck too, but he would have given him a way better battle. Uh, last episode, we talked about how this was the first time uh, two Canadians met in the semifinal of an ATP event. Uh, and just to clarify, although it's not an ATP event, but at a Canadian Open, there was apparently a semifinal with Milos Renic and, uh, what's his, pa- Pospisil? Yeah, Pospisil, yeah. So, yeah, that's an ATP event. Is that an ATP event? Rogers, okay, what do I know? The, the Rogers? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah well, Rogers. Sure. Okay, well, sure, okay. it's an ATP 1000 event, absolutely. So this was not the first time then that two Canadians met in a semifinal. That's true. That's true. They, um, you're right. But that Second was... Second time. But that, but you're talking about doubles that they met? No, I think they Milos met I played think in singles. Uh, some tennis fan... In the fan, semifinals of a Rogers? Yeah. I, I, a, a tennis fan uh, DM'd me this yes. intelligence. Mm. So. Intel. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have to... You'll have we'll, to, we'll have to you'll Google have to, this later. No, you'll, you'll Google it later <laughs> if you're if I'm you're the researcher. Uh, so it was a, it was been a great couple of weeks of tennis. Great top couple of weeks. And if you include B.B. Andreescu, uh, you've got three teenagers from Canada who are rocking the tennis world. And B.B. is such a superstar, Mike, that uh, the other night she was a guest of TFC. Uh, and uh, is it, do you kick out the first ball? Like how, like you, okay, throwing out the first pitch, dropping the ceremonial puck. Uh, what do they do for football? Do they do that? Ceremonial coin toss, I guess. They don't let yes, the guy boot the ball. Maybe that. They used to do that in the Great Cup with the Prime <laughs> Ministers. Um, trying to think of the other sports. What do they do? So in soccer, how do they do it? You don't, they, they don't kick out the first ball. They just present the ball or... Yeah, I don't know. They put it on a little crown. They, they do put it on a little stand or something like that. But anyway, BB comes out. Great round of applause from the fans, right? Big, big... And she's a big soccer fan. And she came out and made did the ceremonial whatever at the beginning of the game. It was, it was terrific. And, and, and the Reds are awesome. They're awesome. This new guy is... First of all, 
with all due respect to Austin Matthews, four goal first NHL game, which yeah. was great. And he was a rookie and had never played it. And NHL we lost game that game. Lost that game. <laughs> Alejandro Pozuelo acquired last week. All right. Remember, they needed a striker because Sebastian Javinko has gone. Victor Vasquez is gone. Altador's back, which is great. Yeah. Um, so they needed someone. So they got this guy, uh, Pozuelo. So, so he's on the, he's on the pitch for a few minutes and he makes this beautiful sublime pass blind, not blind through two defenders, through the legs to Altador for a tap in. And then on a penalty kick, now, you know, on a penalty kick, the goalie's standing in the middle and the goalie almost always, as soon as the guy approaches, he dives one way or the other. Right. Right. So as well, thinking that the goalie is going to dive one way, he hesitates and then he just, he just chips it into the middle of the net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just chips it into the middle where just where the goalie vacated and dives for a corner. He goes, la da da, and chips it in very cheeky. They look great. Very cheeky. Yeah. Very cheeky. And then his third, and then the, and then the third goal he scores, it was his second goal. Yeah. He catches the goalie. So the goalie, if the goalie's off his line, right? Like if, for example, it was a hockey goalie and he, he would have to stay in the crease. But in soccer, if the goalie comes off his line and a player recognizes it, he says, oh, I got some room. He's got some room behind the goalie there if he can chip. So he does that. He sees the goalie off his line for New York City and he chips the ball over the goalie and it ends up just under the bar. Like it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And right away, like, I forgot all about Sebastian yeah, Javinko. Right. I right. didn't think at all about Sebastian Javinko. So the Reds win four to nothing. Pozuelo with a goal and two assists. It was absolutely beautiful. I loved two, it. Did he have two goals? Yeah, he one on the penalty. Okay, you said a goal and two assists. Okay, sorry, one. Uh, no, sorry, one, one assist and two goals. Right. The assist first and then the penalty goal and then the other goal. So right. not a bad debut. Uh, that was J.P. Aaron Sibby-esque. Yes, that's that right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, I mean, this guy's been playing for a while. He's a wonderful player. So the Reds win 4 nothing. So they're 3-0 and to start the season. 3-0. and And then yesterday I watched Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur against Liverpool, and I just was sick about it. They're tied. They're 1-1 late in the game at Liverpool, at Anfield. They're pressuring. They had three chances in the last 10 minutes. Three, like, two-on-one breaks. And in soccer, on a two-on-one break, usually is more successful than in hockey. It's just you've got so much more room there. They missed the net on all three of their chances. They didn't even get a shot on goal. And then Liverpool, and then an own goal by Tottenham off a corner in the 91st minute, and they, and they Spurs lose. It was just it was nauseating. I don't want to talk about soccer. <laughs> no soccer anymore. Let's talk basketball. Yes. Your final four is all set, okay? And if you had in your bracket, uh-huh. if you had Michigan State, Texas Tech, Virginia, and Auburn, well, then, then you're lying. Good for you. <laughs> then good for you. Now, wasn't Warren Buffett giving like a billion dollars away or something? I'll give you a million dollars if you get, uh, like, uh, like you win the whole bracket. Like you get every game right. Yeah, yeah. He was offering like a million bucks if you could get every game right. No one's even come close. How do you pick that? You'd have to uh, have an, a computer algorithm spit out all potential options. And, and even then, then, you'd have to pick all. one. You'd yeah, have to pick right. one. All right? Yeah. Uh, like many, I had Duke to win, but after two, their two narrow victories, which they were lucky to win both. I mean, the ball rims out twice, two games in a row. They deserve to lose. I guess, you know, justice was finally served because Michigan State beat them. And the way they beat them was, instead of the other team missing, it was uh, Duke, R.J. Barrett, the Canadian teenager, had the ball in his hands three times down the stretch and could not convert. He badly missed a three-pointer, which would have given Duke the lead. And then he failed to convert two free throws, which would have tied the game. Well, actually, uh, what was fascinating, and I know you're probably about to say this, I'm stomping all over you, but with the free throws to tie at the end, uh, the one that he wanted to hit, he missed. And then you could tell, of course, now he needs to strategically miss the second free throw. Get so the rebound get, so you could get to a, tie it up. Right. 
And he hit that one by accident. Right, because he hit the back of the rim and went <laughs> all straight up and then went down. So, and they still had a chance after that. Could have fouled, hoped for free throws. But in the meantime, it was justice because you know what? Duke did not play well enough. They didn't deserve to win either of those two games that they did win. It was just missed. I mean, easy. One was an easy tap in uh, um, an alley-oop. And the other one was just a layup that just was agonizingly bad. And they missed the tap again. So they missed two taps. That allowed Duke to win. They escaped. And in this game, they did not escape because Michigan State beat them 68-67. So congrats to the Spartans, who now take on Mike's favorite team, Texas Tech. (laughs) And the other Saturday semifinal has Virginia against upstart Auburn, which has Charles Barkley going insane because that's his alma mater, Auburn. He was right. known as the round mound of rebound when he played at Auburn. And if you look at any, go to YouTube and look up Charles Barkley at Auburn. He was unbelievable. Six foot four, led the nation in rebounding, I do believe, or second in the nation in rebounding. He was just fantastic in college. Amazing player. The championship final is a week from today. See, Mike, this is another thing I like about the NCAA is you get your first round in, the first weekend's wild. Yeah. And then during the week, no games. And then Thursday, you pick it up again with your sweet 16. You blow through this past weekend. And then you wait another week. Right, you wait. Um, you know, after yesterday's action, you wait another week, and then the following weekend, which is next weekend, Saturday, two games, the two semifinals, followed by the championship final on Monday. I like that. I like when they take their time; they get it right. Now, um, so we've talked about um, in the past few weeks: uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, Bianca Andreescu, Felix Oje Aliasim, Denny Shapovalov. Pretty soon, Vladdy Guerrero. And I'm wondering. Uh, if you were to make a prediction as to who is going to make a greater splash. So one year from now, a year from now. Only one year, okay. One year from now, who's going to be the teenager that breaks free that everybody's talking about? Is it Vladdy? Is it Felix? Is it Chapo? Is it uh, Bianca Andreescu? Is it R.J. Barrett? A year from now. Well, first, a little perspective on Barrett is that uh, most analysts in their mock drafts have him at number three. Some have him at four or five. That's fine. Because so, number one could be a curse. Remember Anthony Bennett? So really, you know, though, that he's going to be top three pick or even top five, whatever it is, he's going to be in the NBA next year. Yes, but I don't think he'll have a big splash one year from now. And it's my Just having watched him in the March Madness, I'm going to say your biggest splash, I'm going to say, is Vladdy, one. I'm going to go... Really? Yeah. You think Vladdy's going to step in and he's just going to be raking it? Like, and what do you mean? What and how will he be? Will he be hitting two fifty with twenty home runs? Is that enough? That's the, well. It's all uh, relative to these other uh, people. So I think those those tennis players you mentioned are going to have great years. I mean, they just I kind they kind of just blossoming now. One right. of them's eighteen years old. I think that's uh, my pick. Yeah. So he he's yeah. my pick. Okay, that's a Felix Ojeda. I believe I one right. year from now. Uh, and remember, I'm taking into consideration the fact that Roger Federer will be 38, Rafa Nadal will be 34, whatever it is, yeah. that the way he played, the poise he shows, the dedication he has, the the way, just the way he plays the game. He's got game. And and he's only going to get better with experience. I think a year from now, Felix Auger-Aliassime might be a top 10 player, top 15 player, and just the kind of a guy that when you look at the draw and you say, oh, oh I got to play Felix? Hey, I don't want to play him. I don't want to play this guy. I don't want to play him in a major. I don't want to play him in a Masters 1000. I don't want to play Felix. To me, he's the guy. You might be right. That's a great choice. Uh, Felix, I hope, I hope you're right. And your pick is? I'm going to Vladdy, Vladdy? 1, uh, Felix 2, BB3, and RJ4. Oh, I didn't, I didn't. You didn't have to do a top five. <laughs> and Chapo? And what about Chapo? Oh, you didn't put him in the list. Uh, I did. What do you mean I didn't put him in the list? Uh, I said five of them. Barrett, okay, Andreescu, OJ, Ali, Asim, yeah, Shapovalov, and Vladdy. 
Uh, yeah, he's right there, yeah. right behind Felix. Uh, him okay. and BB are like, tied for fourth. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, time now for Hockey Confidential, my friend. And that is brought to you by Tide and Blades. Did you know that a good skate sharpener can change your blade so you can make sharper turns and accelerate faster? Well, it's true. Check out the Black Mirror finished blades that the pros use or go with the regular season stainless steel blades. Either way, they're going to make you a better skater. And really, that's all you can ask for. Tide and Blades are available at the MasterCard Center, Vaughn Iceplex, or go to TideandBlades.com, T-Y-D-A-N Blades.com. You want an exclusive tip here? I've seen the sign replace that MasterCard Center. It now says the Ford, the Ford something or other, Ford Canada, the car manufacturer. What what does? The, the uh, MasterCard Center. It's not Center. called the MasterCard Center anymore? There's no formal announcement anywhere because I Googled the mess out of it, but uh, I saw the sign change. Like, it's very close to where I live, and I, I saw the sign change. Okay. It says Ford Center now, like so MasterCard. So we should be getting a call from the folks at Ford pretty soon saying, hey, thanks for mentioning our name on the podcast. Well, can, can we sponsor you? <laughs> yeah, no, nope, sorry, we don't have any room for MasterCard. you. MasterCard. Don't have any room. We got Titan Blades, okay? The all blades right. the pros skate on. Austin Matthews skates on Titan Blades. Malkin. There's all kinds of them that do. They don't, they don't make a big deal about it, right? Because they don't want to give away their secrets, but we're do, here to tell you. They're, they're skating on Titan Blades. Amazing. A week after the Calgary Inferno won the Canadian Women's Hockey League Championship and hoisted the Clarkson Cup Trophy, the league announced that the 12-year-old business model is economically unsustainable and the league has folded. It will as of May the 1st and will not return. And to say that people were shocked is a mild understatement. I mean, 11 years of successful, a successful nonprofit uh, business model, and now suddenly it's no longer sustainable? What the hell's going on? Here we thought women's hockey was growing by leaps and bounds, but the fact of the matter is not enough people are going to see the professional games, and there isn't enough sponsorship to sustain the business model. In fact, even if a last-minute sponsor comes through with big bucks, the league will not be back next year and probably never. Never. Uh. So think of everybody that, that, that uh, nurtured this league. 12, uh, 11 successful seasons, right? A little bit of growth here and there. And I saw a lot of traction about this Clarkson Cup, like on Twitter. Yeah. I saw a lot of people talking about it. Uh, yeah. didn't, didn't Dave Bedini call a game? Did. Or, yeah. He sure did. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, or there was anyway, of amalgamating the other uh, with the other women's pro league. Now, that other league is called the uh, National Women's Hockey League. And it's supported by the, well, I want to say it's supported by the NHL. The NHL did not want to get involved in a fight between two professional women's hockey leagues. And herein lies the problem. It should have been one league. But the National Women's Hockey League does very, very well. And the Canadian Women's Hockey League does not. And for example, in the National Women's Hockey League, the teams are Minnesota, Buffalo, the Buffalo Buttes, uh, Boston, Metropolitan New York, and Connecticut, five teams. The league set attendance records this year, all right? They averaged 1,200 a game in Minnesota. They averaged 1,100 a game in Buffalo. 1,100 a game in Buffalo. 720 um, for the Riveters. The Riveters, which ones are they? Oh, that's the, um, um, the New York City team. 706 in Boston and 423 in Connecticut. So, all right, league average, 1,000 fans a game. Now, we couldn't get an exact figure from the Canadian Women's Hockey League. I went over the summaries. Many of the games, the attendance was listed as zero. Uh, there were some games in a couple of hundreds, but many of them were listed as zero. So right off the bat, there's no tracking. But I can assume that the attendance was not good at a lot of the games. The teams, by the way, Mike, if you can name the six teams in the Canadian Women's Hockey League. I can name one. I'll give you a million dollars. Oh, the Furies. Go ahead. The Toronto Furies. Yes, there's also a team in Markham, uh, Montreal, Calgary, Worcester, Massachusetts, and China. 
And well, by the way, half the revenue generated by the Canadian Women's Hockey League came from this Chinese team that invested about $1.7 million. They're threatening to pull out. Um, Worcester, Massachusetts, by the way, this year, finished 0-28. They played 28 games, did not win a game. This might be part of the problem as well. And at one game, the attendance was listed as 37 in the summary at Canadian Women's Hockey League. So what's your take here, Mike? You've got one team, one league that's successful um, and the other league that just folded. Is there a chance that Canadian, that not Canadian, professional women's hockey can make a go of it in North America? Yeah, I think for sure. You know, you had two leagues. That was a mistake. But now you have one, like one just folded. So this NWHL yep. uh, needs to hopefully expand to markets like uh, Toronto, for example, right. and get, you know, bring back the Furies, et cetera. And yeah, let's put all our eggs in one basket and, and give a uh, woman a place to play. Uh, I, I guess, is it pro hockey? Like they're not, there's another jobs. I don't even understand the model myself, but they're, they're not, are they paid to play? Or no? That's professional. Huh? Would you, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Would you go and watch amateur women's hockey? If it wasn't Canada versus the U S in an international competition. Is my, uh, would you go is and a watch? family member playing the game? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, would you go? Look, if your daughter played no. for Ryerson and the women's team, yeah, you would go. But of I course. mean, basically, it's family and friends. Right. And the problem is, how do you get, especially if your market is split, right? Well, who are we playing? The Buffalo Buttes? No, they're not in the same league as us. Well, wait a minute. I hear the Buffalo Buttes are great. They average 1,100 a game. It's fun. The, the league is doing well. Well, how come we're not? Well, maybe because we have a team in, one team in China, one team in Calgary, one team in Montreal, uh, two teams in Toronto and one team in Connecticut. And there's a lot of high caliber maybe, maybe hockey in Canada to watch. Like it's not, it, it's exactly. And you're choosing between, for example, an OHL team with pretend or the uh, CWHL. Yeah. Right. Uh, You've got NHL, yeah. which is too expensive. You've got uh, the Marlies, American Hockey League, which is more affordable. You've got junior hockey, which is affordable. You've got top tier, you know, Brampton uh, Beast or not Provincial <laughs> Junior A or uh, yeah. whatever they call it, or Junior B. You've got some pretty good hockey. And then you've got women's professional hockey. Well, and that's, you know, like number five on your list if you're saying, well, let's go watch a hockey game. And look, uh, to me, the Canadian Women's Hockey League was more of a cause than it was an actual league. Like, there was never discussion about the league and the, and the GMs and the coaches and the transactions and whatever. It was always the cause. It was always women's hockey, women's right. hockey. Right. Not, not specifically the Furies and their quest for the Clarkson Cup. Do you see? Right. It was just the cause. But it's interesting, women's hockey, because you're right. If Canada's best were playing America's best, uh, we'd all be tuned in. I love those games, and we right. all do. But and, you can't, but you can't. You but can't that's it, I think, for right, right now for, like, a mass interest that seems to be it for women's hockey right now. Yeah, it is. It's too bad. And let's hope that they, um, whatever business, let's, let's hope that the National Women's Hockey League takes advantage and says, look, there, we've got markets that are sustainable, certainly in Toronto and Montreal, maybe Calgary. There's a bit of travel involved there because everything's in the Northeast. China, come on. When I see that, I go, China? Now, come on, folks. We're going for a road trip. China. We're going to China for some games against the Chinese team. And you thought the Wolfpack had it tough. Oy vey. <laughs> Crazy. Um, Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades. Skate faster, be better. Get Titan Blades for your skates. Go to titanblades.com, T-Y-D-A-N, blades.com. Good guys at Titan Blades. Jim and Donnie and the guys from Dundas, Ontario, former neighbors of mine. Oh, wow. Yeah, right, I didn't right, know right. that. Major skate sharpening. Skate sharpening, you know, we take it for granted. Remember? Get your skate sharpening. Oh, no, no. 
It's like it's like a barber. You don't go to some just any old skate sharper. You go to the guy that does the great job in your skates. You had three goals in your last game. He, he sharpened your skates. You go back. But now your skate blades are... Anyway, so go to TitanBlades.com for that. Now, it's April Fool's Day, and I'm going to tell you a great story. The only way April Fool's works is it has to work early in the morning when you're unsuspecting. Like when they made this announcement for the National Women's Hockey League, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, people thought it was an April Fool's joke, even though it came out yesterday morning on March 31st. Oh, I hope it's not an April Fool's joke because this is a... No, it's not an April Fool's joke. You don't... It's not like throwback Thursdays where you decide you're going to run it late Wednesday night and it's okay. You can't do an April Fool's joke until it's April Fool's Day. And the time to do it is when you wake up the morning of April Fool's Day. So here's what I did years ago when I was working in radio in Montreal. Yes. Larry Robinson was the best defenseman in the NHL for Montreal. And Marcel Dion was the best forward the leading scorer in the league this was Gretzky's first year in the NHL but anyway Marcel Dion was the leading scorer so yours truly decides here's a great April Fool's joke I got Larry Robinson coming in for an interview on March the 31st right I'm going to say to him look for instead of talking about the Habs blah 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 why don't we pretend that you're traded you get traded and Robinson who has a great sense of humor says yeah let's do that yeah so the plan was we record this interview and the interview is supposed to be, hey, Larry Robinson joining us in the studio. And he says, I have an announcement to make. I've been traded to the Los Angeles Kings for Marcel Dion. So here's Robinson announcing the trade on the radio. So we record it the day before. Hush, hush, don't tell anybody. Yeah. And then the next morning at 7 a.m., which is usually your, you have your greatest audience at 7 a.m., right? People are up, they're on their way to work or they're shaving or whatever it is. But more radios around 7, 7.15 in the morning are tuned than at any other time. All right. Uh, at least they were in Montreal at this particular time. So we run this thing at seven and now it's time for sports and here's Mark Hepscher. And then, and then, I, and then we, we run the tape that sounds live. Hi, right. hi, we're here, yeah. with, we're here with Larry Robinson and uh, um, Larry, how's it going? Habs. He goes, Mark, I got an announcement to make. And he, and I'm telling you what acting. And he says, I've just been traded to the Los Angeles Kings. I just found out I've been traded to the Los Angeles Kings for Marcel Dion. And he starts to sniffle and, oh my God, and what an announcement. And what are you going to do? What do you say to your fans? And, and he's like tearing up and wow. he was brilliant. Brilliant. Anyway, we record the interview. We run it the next morning and now the phones are ringing off the hook. This is in the early 80s. They're ringing off the hook. And other radio stations are going, what the hell is going, what do you mean he's been traded before? Like they had no idea. And, he, and they hear him announcing his own trade. Goes wild, okay? Uh, but yeah. we record, we play the tape of it later. Like we say, okay, if you weren't here at seven this morning, this is what Larry Robinson had to say. And we run it all morning long. And, and the city's going nuts. And then at 9 a.m. as we're going off the air, we go, oh, by the way, April Fool's! And we nailed it. We got everybody. They weren't, they didn't get up going, oh, it's April 1st today. They thought Larry Robinson had been traded. It was beautiful. Also, that was a much more that pre-internet era was oh, much yeah. more innocent times yeah. much easier to fool people that we was well executed we nailed it it was great it was fantastic <laughs> Robinson loved it Claude Ruel the coach of the Canadians almost had a heart attack what are you talking about <laughs> uh, phones ringing anyway it was great so we and we get mentioned in the newspapers and that kind of thing anyway about a week later I get a newspaper clipping sent to me from the Los Angeles Times in those days if you wanted to get the out of town paper so it's a newspaper clipping and in the clipping it, it says uh, it's from the LA Times and it says um, um, hoax, uh, Montreal radio got hoax, uh, Marcel Dion traded for Larry Robinson and a little story like that. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, pretty good. We got some national attention, at least in LA. About four or five years later, I'm at a golf tournament and I run into Marcel Dion and he makes a beeline for me. You son of a bitch. He's yelling at me. What are you talking about? I say, you goddamn it, you. Do you know what? I said, this is years later. He says, do you know what happened? I go, what do you mean? He goes, Four o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, uh, I, I'm, I, and I apologize for the Marcel Dion accent. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call at home. Wakes me and my wife up. 
wakes the kids up. It's a reporter from Montreal. How do you feel about the trade? I go, what trade? He goes, oh, I just, you've been traded for Larry Robinson. You're, we just heard it on the radio. And so he's telling me how he's freaking out. It's 4 a.m. He's hungover or whatever. He doesn't, he, he picks up the phone to call. I think it was Rogie Vashon was the GM of the Kings at the, whatever it was. He doesn't know what to do, right? He's going crazy out of his mind. So he went through this whole, all this anxiety until he found out that it was an April Fool's joke. Because remember, it was April Fool's Day there too. Right. And now he's telling me years later about how he wanted to strangle me and the whole thing like that. So there, there's a, that was a long lasting April Fool's joke. And then in Larry Robinson's book by Kevin Shea, I think it's called Robinson for the Defense. Um, Kevin calls me and says, what's this about? I heard Larry told me about this April Fool's joke. So I filled him in. So it's in the book too. Kevin's great too. The story's in the book. So it was just, (laughs) it was, so I reminded today because you're listening now and you are listening to April Fool's Day. And so something's going to happen. Someone's going to try to pull one over on you. And trust me, there's no way they can do it as well as I did that day (laughs) by getting Larry Robinson to announce on the air that he'd been traded for Marcel Dion. Beautiful. Is that a good one? That's, That's fantastic. All right. Time for our trivia answer brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli. In 1979, Michigan State defeated Indiana State to win the NCAA tournament. That was Magic versus Bird. That's where the NCAA, that's where March Madness took off. Prior to that, it was okay. But boom, Magic versus Bird. Now it's must-see TV, of course. Can you name the other two schools? Name one of the other two schools who were in the Final Four that year. Georgetown Hoyas. That's a good guess. But no. Villanova. That's also a good guess. In fact, it's a really good guess because there's a team, the team, not Villanova, but very close to Villanova, geographically, very, very close to Villanova, geographically, was the team that lost to Michigan State. Temple. Very, even closer. Even closer. Even closer. I've been so close, but no cigar. Penn, University of Pennsylvania. Penn. Penn. George Orton went to Penn. Penn. Penn University lost to Michigan State. And the other team, out of Chicago, Oh, yeah. Out of Chicago. Yeah, I can't remember. Yes, you can. (laughs) Coached by Ray Meyer. Mark Aguirre was their star player. Oh, yeah. Future. It was great. Right. Uh, It's DePaul University. They lost 76-74 to Indiana State with Larry Bird. So there you go. You can watch those games on WGN. Yeah, that's right. So Penn, (laughs) University of Pennsylvania Quakers, and the DePaul Blue Demons were the other two teams. And really, I apologize for that tough trivia question, but I figure, what the heck? No, it's fun. What to- that? Because years from now, someone's going to go name the Final Four in uh, in 2019. You're going to go. Oh, let's see, Michigan State, and uh, I don't know, <laughs> Texas Tech, Auburn. Uh, you always bring the great trivia questions. Thanks so much. I try my best. That's it for episode number 90 of Hebsey on Sports. And thanks as always to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at torontomike.com. And don't forget to buy my new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. Come out and see me Sunday, April 14th. I'll be at the Toronto Card Show at Brunswick Beer Works from 11 till 3. And I'll be selling autographed copies of the book. And I'll pose for pictures. And we're going to schmooze and talk sports. You and me. Go to torontocardshow.com for more info. You'll see my picture there. Hey, Hebsey's going to be at the Toronto Card Show. Cool. And if you'd like to buy the book but can't make it to the event, that's okay. Uh, you can go to your f- uh, favorite bookseller. You can go online to Amazon or Indigo, or you can go to HebsyOnSports.com or hit me up on social media, and I'll make sure you get an autographed copy. I'm at Hebsyman. It's been a pleasure speaking sports with you. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace today. Back with another exciting episode shortly. Until then, so long for now.